it's interesting. We have two friends from Scotland and it's really light. It stays light until like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And in the winter or in the fall, it's like pitch black by three or four. So I find that kind of interesting. And so, and the other day I mentioned the heat in Arizona, one of our friends who's here, it was like 117, but it's also really hot in California. So I want to acknowledge that because we have a friend here from California and hot and drought, scary drought. Yeah. So we deal with all these different conditions and atmospheres that influence us. And it might be strictly personal physical pain or someone here is looking for a new place to live. Or it might be more general, this apocalyptic weather, the world that can unsettle us and unseat us. So uh, it's nice to feel that we have a place to take refuge just as we are. It doesn't exclude that unease or sadness or physical pain or discomfort. And on, on top of it, on top of it, you may have other questions and concerns. And so just to start, I invite you to just relax, to just take a comfortable seat and notice how it feels. I say this every time, but this is the first time you're hearing it today. How it feels to let everything be welcome in this space. Let everything be welcome. Everything you're feeling, everything you're thinking, every edge of discomfort or what's left undone. Because I become more and more convinced that, you know, I speak of this energy that we call love in this practice. It doesn't have anything to do with a romantic relationship or a feeling. It's an energy, something that helps us feel present and connected. Something that knits the whole world together. And I've become convinced that without this love, no real change is possible. Because it's our awareness, even for a moment, of this energy inside us and outside us that lets us let go of some of the patterns that we cling to to survive. 
lets them soften so that we can be more ourselves, more here. So I also uh, wanted to acknowledge that, of course, today is Father's Day, and you could have a range of reactions to that from complete indifference and unawareness to an annoyance that we have to endure one more Hallmark holiday. Wasn't it just Mother's Day? Or you might have some, a whole batch of feelings going on, a whole batch. And, you know, my favorite post I saw today that kind of encapsulated this was Happy Father's Day down with patriarchy. <laughs> and it was written by a man, a friend of mine. So go him. But uh, truthfully, these reminders like Father's Day might bring up feelings in you that you didn't, whatever it was supposed to represent fathering, you didn't get it. A, a quality of guidance or, or, you know, supportive permission to be adventurous, or maybe you did, but with other things layered in. Most of us had fathers who were damaged, who were wounded, who were frightened, and who certainly had loving intentions, but who really didn't live up to whatever standard we might think. And I bring this up not to divert from practice, but to tell you a story, a story that I don't know where it ultimately came from, but Jack Kornfield told a version of it, and this is mine. And it's a story that begins to capture what practice can do. So I'll tell it first before I spoil it with analysis. So apparently there was a beautiful abbey in France built in the 1500s. So it was one, those of you who have traveled have seen these beautiful places. But this abbey was truly crumbling and falling on very hard times. There was a sincere and hardworking abbot, but he was down to just four monks. Nobody wanted to come to this place anymore. It was just too rough, too rustic, and the way of life was far too simple and crude for modern people. So, so the abbot was terrified that it would close. So he walked through the village in France to visit a rabbi at a little temple who was also just barely hanging on. And the abbot told his story, we're dying. Nobody is coming to this way. No one wants to be a monk. What do you think? And the rabbi sighed and was very sad. 
like he had a lot of sympathy he could relate but he said I don't know what to tell you I have no answer but I had the strangest dream I dreamed that the Messiah was living at your abbey and he found this very weird and disconcerting so the the abbot didn't know what to think of it, so he went trooping back and to had dinner within his big dining hall down to four monks and said, the rabbi dreamed that the Messiah was living here. What do you think of that? So they had dinner and they went off to their separate chambers to, to contemplate this weird fact. And they thought to themselves, I wonder if it could possibly be true. You know, the abbot doesn't seem all that gifted, but maybe his years of start, maybe he is. And then they started to think of each other. You know, like maybe this guy, Paul, who's, you know, he's really a pain, but he's always right. Maybe it's him. Or Maurice, he seems so, you know, kind of, passive but maybe that's humility maybe he's a messiah and then they started thinking oh my god what if it's me what if it's me you know what if i'm focusing so much on my personality which is okay it needs some work but maybe it's in those other moments i'm the messiah and then they started thinking, maybe this place, no matter what, no matter who it is, this place could be a holy place, a hallowed ground. So they begin living as if the place and the grounds and each other and themselves might be the Messiah might be holy, might be sacred. So after a while, it, it, it set up a kind of atmosphere and people started to notice. So they would come and visit just to sit in this space that was so attentive, that was holding the possibility that the Messiah might be here. And soon enough, young people started to come to this space and apply to be monks. And the community began to thrive again. And I think it's such a beautiful story because it captures that what we really do here is make space is we, we sit down and we bring our attention to ourselves and we make space for everything that comes up, our hurt, our resentment, our confusion, our pain, physical or emotional. And I, one moment at a time, we are invited to touch it, to meet it with kindness, with compassion, as though there were more to it 
and more to us than we typically know when we're just swept along in our patterns. And this space, this acting as if we have a capacity for what they call the sacred, for something really and purely alive and shot through with this energy we call love. This begins to attract it. And so whatever you feel you lack, what you did lack, perhaps, and do lack, whether it's a father figure or health or whatever it is, bringing a certain quality of attention to that very lack reveals the presence of qualities, the qualities that we seek. So let's sit and then we, we can have an exchange. So take a comfortable seat and just let your back be as straight as you can make it. And let your eyes close. Let yourself come to rest here as if you were welcoming an extraordinary guest. holy person. And notice how it feels to welcome yourself with caring attention. And see that there's an attention in you that can soften you just a bit. Notice places of tension or pain. And see that attention without any kind of commentary can begin to relax you. And let the thinking be regarded as natural, perfectly natural, as natural as breath. And when you notice that you're 
taken by thinking, gently come back to the body and sensation. is how it feels to be present. To return to presence. To an attention that sees with kindness and acceptance. And every time you're taken, you can come back again and find acceptance, presence. Just rest in stillness, noticing that this movement of return to the body and sensation opens you.
Notice that everything that you are experiencing can be met with an intention of acceptance. No striving. Just being with. And notice that whenever you forget, you can begin again. Just return. And notice that you aren't alone, but accompanied by an attention that waits without comment.
just giving yourself to stillness, to presence, just like this. Noticing that coming home to the body, to sensation, opens us to a presence that's inside and also outside.
noticing that there's nothing, no thought, no feeling, no memory that can't be touched with an attention that is accepting and kind. Loving. Noticing that this presence that's accepting and spacious is love.
thank you for your practice. And if you have a, a question or an observation about practice, we'd love to hear from you. And you don't have to wait to uh, raise your hand um, if there's a space. Um, please feel free to speak. I would just like to, I, I guess, give thanks, but also it's a conundrum. I, I a week and a half ago, had a hip replacement surgery. It was number two, so I now have a matched pair of bionic hips. But um, both times I was uh, faced with basically a year and a half of being in pain. And they said, oh, it's not time to do surgery because blah, 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 there's still cartilage. So I, I became aware of this thing I call flinch mode, like, like a, and so what has meant so much to me about working with this practice is going, oh, you're flinching. <sighs> I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, except that, that I, it has, it has been very helpful to stop because I'm constantly going, <gasps> and then going, oh, and there's some pain, there's some whatever, but it's supposed to flinching and but releasing to it, uh, it kind of comes and goes, but, but it has been extremely helpful. So I just want to say thank you for this practice because, you know, it's been crazy. But I'm I'm coming through the other side like I'm I, I'm doing now walks on the flat outside my apartment in New York City and you know I have a wonderful PT and soon I'll be able to go down like I've been flat so I think next time I go down this much grade anyway it's an adventure but um, the medical stuff has been uh, you know whatever but the meditation this practice has, I think is what has really saved me from, I don't know what it means, I guess blowing my brains out, that sounds too dramatic, but, but it's been so helpful. So um, anyway, I, I, I have so enjoyed participating in this Sangha. I mean, I, I'm kind of a magpie person, like, pick from here, pick from there, like, but, but this group has been, even though I feel like I'm kind of on the fringes, but, but I found it extremely helpful. I love the, I feel like it's, what's the word, the word that came to mind is non-denominational, non like, 
it's not Catholic, it's not Buddhist, it's not blah, it's like, <laughs> it's neutral, like, oh, <gasps> it's the essence of what the Buddhist practice has to offer. And for that, much love to everyone. So thank you. I'll shut thank up. You. Thank, please don't. I'm so glad you spoke. And it is an amazing group. It really is. And um, I did feature a Catholic and a rabbi in my story. But um, to your uh, point, uh, your pain, which you shared, it's so helpful for all of us. Uh, because it's also true of emotional pain this flinching and the sense when we're in pain and I'm sure you've noticed this we feel like it will never end it will never end we feel like we contract around our pain like here it is I finally hit rock bottom and this is my life from now on all joy sucked out of it and just contracted around this pain and the gift of this practice and i would really emphasize that the truth is not buddhist or catholic or jewish or sufi the truth is the truth it's something that's alive and it's something that's in us in potential. The truth is that can't be emphasized enough is that there's no such thing as a good sitting. We think a good sitting is when we are very relaxed and without pain and we're really concentrated and we're not distracted. And when we are completely preoccupied with our pain, it fills us, or our emotional pain, and our anger comes up, resentment comes up, all this, we think, oh, that's a bad meditation, or I'm a bad meditator, or I'm just on the fringes of this group, because if they only knew what was going through my head right now, I would be banned, really banned. And you could say it's okay, but you really don't know. And the truth of the matter is that this attention is meant to be brought to everything. So when you're in pain and you're just beginning to be able to walk again, you think, oh, well, it will be better later and I'll be able to sit, or I'll be able to practice better. Or when I resolve this situation. But the real honest to God truth is that it's now, right in the thick of it, that like you express so powerfully, that right in the midst of flinching, there can be this moment of ah, this wild release, this relief, yeah. This And it's this feeling sometimes of like, oh, something that's been held under pressure or, or hidden 
like Mrs. Rochester in the attic is is finally and completely welcome to be here. And that brings a kind of release that it's almost impossible to put into words that this too is lovable. I've just learned so much, like the flinch, like, <gasps> and I go, oh, <sighs> all day long. It's so, again, yeah. Yeah. And the but I, I am so grateful for having the reinforcement from the group. And, you know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. it's been fabulous. And I want the group to hear that, that this is a, a space that's co-created by all of us in practice. And the fact that we're doing this in this forum, in Zoom, with people from different places is um, kind of a miracle and kind of proof that there is a power in us, a capacity for presence that really helps other people. Isn't that amazing? So that, think of this just for a moment. You might feel like hell right now, but your intention to come back to yourself, your moments of presence have helped someone maybe here, maybe somewhere else. You've become part of a greater presence. Just add one more tiny comment on, on what you just said is that from doing this is that in my moments when, when we're not in a Sangha Zoom meeting, which I, is wonderful, but that, that carries into I'm by myself and, and the energy and the practice somehow carries over into my times by myself where I, I'm freaking out and I go, <gasps> and I read, and I read, this energy feeds into my, I'm by myself lying in my bed, being in pain, going, oh my God. Huh? So, so it's it's a back and like this energy is a fantastic but what one of the wonderful reverberations is that I'm able to carry that into when I there's not a zoom meeting and I have to be by myself in my painful life and I know there's an end to it you know but anyway oh, it's a practice it's a practice it's a practice for all of us, and you will find yourself speaking to everybody that when you least expect a up comes some difficult um, feeling or or not, just kind of neutral. And but you will catch yourself in a moment feeling love for yourself. You will, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you will experience uh, again an innocence and a goodness 
and it's not like fancy. It's like, oh, this is pretty good. And I want to offer you as practice, sometimes when people are really stressed out or anxious, you can actually hold yourself as a practice. Mm. It's very, very helpful in times of great fear, other times trauma coming up hold yourself and sometimes you can experience it as oh this is a really good person a dear person someone who wants to awaken and it it, it, it's remarkably healing and helpful as you express so powerfully Tracy spoke in the beginning about love and a different kind of love. And um, this week um, or last week, I showed my students the Charlie Chaplin film, The Kid, as a kind of like pandemic high school reward for an interesting year. And it was really, to me, a movie, a beautiful movie about love, but this kind of reluctant love that becomes love. Um, so I, I was hoping that you could elaborate more on this love of spiritual practice, you know, within spiritual practice, what, how do, how do you view that and how do we incorporate that in our lives? Uh, well, I can't speak to the Charlie Chaplin film, but, um, and, you know, so exactly what you were uh, thinking of, but um, I, I think it's interesting to contemplate without any trying to do that what we understand to be love may be other the the love that that spiritual practice this kind of practice um, invites is other than that it's not a feeling of we think of love as a feeling of you know, a kind of joyful appreciation or attraction or something. But I think the love that's pointed towards in this tradition and in others is more akin to the energy that I think of as presence. And it's a, a way of seeing and receiving. First of all, I think it's almost always reluctant. So I think it's Chaplin-esque in that sense. That it's some. It's the last thing we want to do. 
in the sense that um, practice is the last thing we want to do. Most people come to practice because they're suffering, not because they're having so much fun. They're suffering and they're seeking something. And this is a kind of last resort sometimes. I thought of calling the song of the hat once, the last resort, you know, with like a hammock. And, um, but so we come to it because our thinking has failed us or our addictions have failed us. So now what? And we discover in a moment of stillness and letting be that there's an attention, maybe just for half a moment, that we can be received just like this in all our pain and confusion. And that attention that sees is what I think love is. Does that help? It's that which accepts. Tracy. Yeah. When um, you started to tell the story, uh, I thought for a moment that you were um, telling another story that I just came across recently in, uh, Merton's autobiography, Thomas Merton's autobiography. When he was young, and I think it's nice to tell this story uh, because it's in the spirit of the day. When he was young, his mother died. His father was a painter. Um, they, uh, his father, he was left, he and his brother with his grandparents for a while. And then his father came and got him when he had a certain amount of success as a painter and took him with him to France and left his brother behind so that they could find a good house and then he would call for the brother. And uh, they wound up in a part of France where there were a lot of towns that were, that were centered around cathedrals, you know, that was very much a part of their life. And they wound up in a town, I think in the Massif, where there was a, a man who, they got to know people and be, become part of their life. And there was a man who had a ruined chapel on his property and Merton and his father went there and they bought the chapel and they dismantled it and took it and they built their home from it. It's a nice story and I suppose it's, you know, a big step in the beginning of his road to becoming a monk. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Yeah. It's a beautiful story, thank you. And I think in a sense what we're doing is building a house or finding a home, finding a home. And moment by moment, we discover that we are home. We are home.
and there's uh, nothing that I think again and again, uh, the Buddhism is based on suffering, the ubiquity of suffering. And the, the word suffer in English means to bear, to suffer someone or something. And what we're really practicing together is the art of bearing suffering consciously with awareness, with this attention that sees with love, with acceptance, and discovering that this is home. This is home. And that no matter what's going on, we can come home to this presence. Not just in spite of our pain, but especially then. And it doesn't mean that we feel good all the time at all. It doesn't mean that we have somehow transcended pain and confusion. We discover that we don't have to banish anything to be accepted. And that as we accept it, we begin to settle down and open up. And that even if you didn't have a father who did such an extraordinary thing with you, I certainly didn't. There's nothing in us that can't be transformed by being seen in that loving way. I just want to say a quick little thing, a quick couple of little things. One, you told that story so beautifully. <laughs> I just loved the way you told it. It just was moving and it made me laugh. So thank you for that. Two, um, I just love when people do speak. I, you know, I don't, I don't do it all that often, but if you're if you're in the in the crowd and thinking, oh, I don't know if I have anything to share, I can't. It's there's so much that I get out of it when people share, and how it prompts you, Tracy, to another kind of explanation or thought. And just now, just in what Kent was talking about and what you were talking about, I was kind of I'd had this mentally really really crappy week, and I just couldn't seem to get off of this ridiculous treadmill of unworthiness and feeling bad about myself and just it was such a drag and none of the stuff was that normally helps was helping at all and just when you were speaking about being home 
I thought, oh, maybe when nothing else is working, I'll just put like, <laughs> it's a silly image, but I'll put a flower on a table in my house, in my mind. You know, that there might be one welcoming thing of beauty in my mind when it's filled with cobwebs and angry faces. And, you know, I feel fine right now, but it's maybe a nice little thing that'll help in the future because every once in a while you feel crappy and you can't stop. Yeah. You can't turn it off when you want to. So maybe just a flower on a table or a, a spritz of some pleasant fragrance <laughs> might help. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Try everything because this practice isn't one set form. It's something that we bring to life. And another thing that may be extremely comforting for, has anybody here had a crappy week ever at any point? And yeah, we have some hands. And it's true, not everybody likes to speak, but but you're still very much part of this space in this community. I really can't emphasize enough that when you're down, everybody here, everybody here has been exactly that down. When you have had a solid week of feeling worthless or like you blew it or like the pain will never end or rethinking your life and it, you've done everything wrong. You know, the things that we can feel and do and the patterns that can come up, you have company. And there's something, in, for me anyway, inexpressibly comforting about that more than knowing that somebody's seen the light or knowing that they too have felt like you just like you and maybe with some different details and that together 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 we are opening to this practice that lets love in, that shows us to our true home, our true home, not in here. So thank you all, thank you all so much for your presence, for your comments. Because I know it takes a little bit of courage for people to speak, and me too, believe it or not. And we'll sit together just for a moment with our hands in our heart space and dedicate our practice together and alone, not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of all beings everywhere without exception. Let it ripple out this acceptance and love. May all beings everywhere be safe from harm and danger in all its forms, loneliness and isolation, cruelty, 
in word and deed. May all beings be as well as they can be. May they be truly happy. May they be free. May they come home. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take good care. Take good care. Put that flower on the table. Take care. <laughs>